Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campus Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. And it's Thursday, which means it's normally a day that Erin Cummings is here to uh, join us. But Erin and her husband, Tom, are off in Texas visiting Erin's uh, family. We were going to Skype her in, but the internet speeds where she's at just aren't fast enough, so we weren't able to make that work. But that's okay. Today, it'll just be you and me talking in an intimate, soothing setting around the campfire of love, ladies and gentlemen. I'm getting really intimate with this. Anyway, if I seem like I'm in a little bit of a good mood, it's because I am. You see, today, you guys know that Ann and I had a terrible Disneyland experience uh, last weekend on the weekend of our uh, anniversary, and that's fine, whatever. So we decided, well, we need to, we need a palate cleanser. We need a good experience. You know what? You guys know that Ann and I love going to Vegas. We go to the Vegas like six, seven, eight times a year, but obviously we haven't been in like 14, 15 months. So today, Ann and I are going to Vegas. Me, Ann, and our friend Kaori, we're all going to hop in our car. We're going to drive off to Vegas and have a weekend in Vegas now that everything in Vegas is open back up again. Haven't been there in forever, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, I'm seeing Ron Frazier is, uh, is writing in the live chat. He watched Black Widow. I know it. You know what? I haven't seen Black Widow yet. I know a few people have. I have not. I'm going to be watching Black Widow when next, not this coming Monday, but next Monday. So about a week before it comes out. I think it's about a week before it comes out. I'm going to be watching Black Widow next Monday. I didn't have a chance to see it yet. I know some other people have. That's cool. I'm looking forward to watching it, but uh, we'll see how that goes there. Uh, James Lee is saying, but are there zombies in Vegas? Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not. And I see Rhett Proctor saying, Titans teaser trailer dropped, John. I don't like Titans. I think Titans is a terrible show. I'm not going to lie. I tapped out on Titans, tapped out uh, after season one. I, and, it, and I honestly, I thought season one was hard to get through. I was, I was very excited about Titans when I, when I first realized, because I was going to sit down and watch season one of Titans. And I got very excited when I started playing Titans and right from the very first scene, I'm like, oh my God, that looks like a lot like Hamilton. Hamilton is my hometown. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, the hammer, Steel City, ladies and gentlemen, greatest city on the face of the earth. Anyway, I'm like, that looks a lot like Hamilton. And so I jumped online, I'm searching and sure enough, a lot of Titans shoots in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which I was very excited about. Uh, but then I realized, yeah, it's not so good. Titans wasn't so good. I, I know a lot of people did like it and that's awesome. If you liked it, I celebrate that, but it, it did not work for me, unfortunately. So yeah, I kind of, I, again, I, I gave the old tap out on Titans after season one. Uh, and now somebody was asking, uh, I think it's uh, Pranasha saying in the live chat, asking if there's a show tomorrow. No, and that's a good time to answer that. And to give this announcement, there is not going to be a John Campy show tomorrow. Because I am going to be in Las Vegas now. I am probably going to. I'm probably going to post up a video uh, tomorrow from Vegas, but it's not going to be like a John Campia show thing. Because again, I'm going to be in Vegas, which I'm very excited about. It's been a while since Ann and I have done that, so I'm super stoked. Okay, guys, listen. Uh, this is going to be a little bit more of a casual show today. You know, there's not a lot of big news that came out today, which is, uh, there's been a lot of big news recently. Of course, we've had Loki dropping and all that kind of stuff. So I thought we would take today 
because you guys have been sending in a lot of questions uh, using the tip link and sending in a lot of questions. So we've been following a little bit behind. By the way, Iconic Reaction sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Iconic. And so I thought, you know what? Since there's not a lot of news today and we're not going to do a John Campus show tomorrow, why don't we take today, just hang out, talk about our favorite stuff, and we'll let you guys guide the conversation. And we'll spend the day just taking your comments and questions and the uh, topics you guys want to talk about. So that is what we're going to do today. And it's awesome to have all you guys here. Uh, Peter Cunnington is writing, did you see Luca? I did see Luca. Um, let me check something, though, because I don't know if there... Now, I did put out my reaction, my social media reaction, um, up on... Uh, Twitter, because I know the social media embargo lifted, and my reaction to Luca was basically this. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me see when the when the. Uh, I'm just looking at the email now that they sent me a while ago. Review embargo is Wednesday, June 16th. That means yesterday, so I can I can talk about Luca. I can talk about Luca. Okay, so Luca, um, which of course is now out on Disney Plus. They decided uh, that the movie wasn't worth putting out in theaters for whatever reason. And uh, they put it out on Disney plus. So I, I can tell you my thoughts on Luca. Luca is not, in my opinion, one of the better Pixar movies. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying it's bad. It definitely has charm. There are definitely smiles. Um, it's, it's worth watching. It's definitely worth watching. And of course, as an Italian, I was, you know, it's pretty cool seeing a movie take place in Italy. That's pretty fun. Uh, so that's good too. But I'm not going to lie to you. It, it wasn't, it's not great. It's not great. It's good. Enjoyable. It didn't, it just, how do I put it? Besides the good dinosaur, this is the most un-Pixar-like feeling movie that Pixar's ever put out. Like, you know, and, and I'm not just talking in terms of quality. I mean, you know, you watch a movie like The Good Dinosaur, and it's like, okay, it's 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 all right. It's all right. But it didn't feel like a Pixar film. You know, there's just something about The Good Dinosaur that just did not feel like a Pixar film. And Luca, also to me, is does not feel like a Pixar film. And, and it, it's it's hard for me to put my finger on exactly why that's the case. And, and so I haven't really been able to formulate in my own head. What is it about this film that makes it not feel like a Pixar film? I haven't really been able to figure that out yet, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good film. It's good, but I didn't think, you know, I didn't think it was great. Would I rec like, if you're thinking about going to see it, would I say you should watch it? Yes. Yes. Watch it. You should watch it. But I would also say. Don't go into it with Up or Coco or Ratatouille or Incredibles, you know, kind of level expectations. Check those expectations at the door. And if you do and you just go in and watch it for what it is, I think you'll have a pleasant time. It's a nice little film. Again, just not really, um, just not really, you know, uh, Luca level to me. Now, somebody's asking, is it worth $30? Is it on premium? Help me out here, guys. Is Luca just out on Disney Plus or is it premium? Because I thought it was just for free. 
I think it's, I think if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, it's just on there for free. Uh, and some, okay, you guys are confirming that. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Pedro and Zith and Dylan and Adam and John D. Yep, it's free. So thank you, you guys. It's so it's, yeah. Is it worth sitting down and taking an hour or two or, uh, you know, an hour and a half to watch? Absolutely. It absolutely is. I wouldn't pay $30 to watch it at home. I, I mean, it's not worth, if you're not even getting a theatrical experience, it's not worth thirty dollars to watch at home. But it is free on Disney Plus, so go give it a shot. I I think most people will like it. I do. I think most people will like it. So we'll look forward to that. All right, let's move on now and take the rest of the day here taking your live comments and questions. So let's get over to it, and we'll start here with this. We're going to start off here. And by the way, Leandro Urena uh, sends in a super chat badge. Uh, thank you for that, man. And Marie Seifring sent in a super chat badge as well in the live chat. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. All right. Let's now pick it up here. We're going to start things off here with Tim Tracy, who wrote in. My question is, what is your favorite creature feature? Some of mine are Tremors, Lake Placid, Anaconda, and of course, the little gremlins. Uh, thanks for all you do and have a great day. I love Tremors. I love Tremors. That movie's great. I also love Lake Placid with Betty White. I love Lake Placid. I think that's great. Um, I really did enjoy that movie a lot. But it depends on what you mean by creature features. Because, like, does a Godzilla movie or a King Kong movie or does a Pacific Rim count as a creature feature? Does um, Shape of Water, the Guillermo del Toro film, the one best picture at the Academy Awards, does that count as a creature feature? I guess it kind of depends on your definition, but I will say this. Uh, uh, Edison mentioned eight-legged freaks. That's one a lot of people love too. Is Jaws, a? I mean, Jaws is a real animal. It's a great white shark. Does it count as a creature feature? So I'm, it really all depends on how <clears throat> you want to define it. I'll say this though, man. I really do like uh, those two you mentioned, Tremors and Lake Placid. Those are really fun. I mean, everybody knows about Tremors. Not a lot of people have watched Lake Placid. Watch Lake Placid. It's a fun little movie. Again, it's about this giant alligator or crocodile. And like Betty White's in it and she's great. Um, anyway, yeah, check it out. It's really good. Take Tim Tracy's recommendation and go check that out. Okay, next up. Uh, we've got Ryan Loner who writes, one of two. I'm really not feeling this new He-Man trailer. I, I didn't really like the new He-Man trailer either. I think the show will probably be good, but I just didn't like the trailer. Um, Netflix already had a new She-Ra show, which is one of my favorite shows, not just animated, of all time, which I will champion to my dying day and brought a whole new generation of fans to the franchise. And it feels like this show's crew just said, screw that noise. We're just going to make something that appeals to no one except the hardcore OG fans. Uh, I really hope I'm wrong. And this is another case of just a crappy trailer. Could be. Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie to you, Ryan. I, <clears throat> I had a lot of people when the new trailer came out. Of course, Kevin Smith is doing a, a He-Man animated show. And of course, Tiffany Smith, who I've worked with a lot. Uh, Tiffany Smith is one of the voices in the show as well. And the trailer came out, and I got a bunch of emails from people saying, did you see the new He-Man trailer? I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the He-Man trailer was lame. I didn't think it was very good. That doesn't mean I don't think the show will be good, because clearly Kevin Smith didn't make the trailer. Uh, some marketing department made that trailer, and I don't think the trailer was good at all. But I think the show will be good. 
I never thought of it in the terms that you just put it, Ryan, but I think you're right. The trailer really just did feel, it was going for the nostalgia. That trailer was 100% going for the nostalgia. And that way it comes across as really just trying to appeal to the OG fans. And maybe it is. Listen, maybe that's who they're making this show for. Maybe they're like, look, we know this isn't going to get a massive, massive audience, but we'll manage the budget. We're not going to spend tons of money on it. It doesn't have to be a huge success. And maybe they're just thinking, let's just really target the OG fans. And if we can get them on board, that's a win for us. And if that's the case, more power to them. Uh, By the way, Birdies by Ben sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, As does Jody Harkavy. Jody Harkavy sends in a super chat badge saying number one fan. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Grady Edwards who writes, I listened to you about the importance of wrapping up a story when you've worked on something a while. Yeah, we talked about that a little while ago. Uh, I have a book I've written or I've been working on a long time and came to the conclusion recently Tell the best story in front of you, then put a bow on it. That's very good philosophy, Grady. Uh, I came to that conclusion recently when the story I wanted to tell came to me. As a creator, you never want to rule out doing sequels to a project. You want to tell the best story that's in front of you and not try to do too much because it can lead to neglect. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I completely agree with that. So somebody wrote in recently saying they had been, I can't remember, working on a screenplay or something like that for like 10 years. I can't remember exactly, but it was like they were working on a screenplay for like 10 years. And I I said, look, George Lucas said it best. I mean, your movie's never done. You just have to choose when it's time to, to end it. And when you get into, especially a writing project, when you get involved in a writing project, you can keep working on it and working on it and working on it and working on it, but eventually you're going to hit peak decline. Which means eventually, the more you work on it, the less good it's going to be. You have to just come to a point at some some juncture and say, this is now done. And I like the way you put that, Grady. Tell the story that's in front of you. And once that story has presented itself to you, tell it, and then don't keep tinkering with it for another three years. Put a bow on it and move on. And at some point, I think every creator has to do that. So that's a very, very good philosophy, Grady. Good on you for doing that. All right, next up. Uh, Reggie uh, Reggie writes, John, thanks for the last two years of community while I was dealing with my father's health. He passed away four months ago. Deepest condolences for that, Reggie. Um, He had a love of what he would call cowboy pictures. In honor of him for Father's Day, please share with us your favorite Westerns. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm a little rare. I know when most people get asked what are their favorite Westerns, they'll go back to the classic era of the cowboy films, you know, the old Clint Eastwood films or, or things like that. But mine is actually, my all-time favorite Western is actually a little bit more modern. Uh, I mean, it's like well over 20 years old now, but I mean, it's still it's a little bit more modern, which is a Clint Eastwood film, but it's, let me see if you guys in the, uh, in the live chat know what I'm going to say. Harvey Kong said it first, then uh, Chipotle said it, then, uh, yeah, then Chipotle said it. It's Unforgiven. Unforgiven, I think, is the greatest Western ever made. Um, I mean, it's not heavy on action, but, you know, the, a cowboy movie doesn't need to be heavy on action. It was, it's so good. And I have a friend of mine 
who only watched Unforgiven for the first time recently. It was during the pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of people caught up on a lot of movies during the pandemic, but they watched Unforgiven for the first time during the pandemic. And they were like, oh my God, how have I never seen this before? It's, listen, it's not just the greatest, to me, the greatest Western film of all time. It's one of the greatest films of all time. It won Clint Eastwood a hell of a lot. It won Clint Eastwood a bunch of Oscars. I believe it won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Um, Now, I see some people in the live chat put out some other really good ones, like True Grit. By the way, I'm in the minority. I think the True Grit remake was even better than the original. That's just me. Jeff Bridges was in that. I I thought it was even better than the original John Wayne one. That's me personally. A lot of people love Tombstone. Uh, Tombstone's a great Western. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's an easy, you know, the Dollars trilogy. But to me, it's no question. Magnificent Seven, I'm seeing James mention in the live chat. Magnificent Seven, uh, of course, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Tons of great Westerns. But to me, they all have to take a need unforgiven. I mean, that that is just, damn, that movie's good. If you have not seen Unforgiven, do yourself a treat and go and watch Unforgiven. Anyway, thanks for sending that in, Reggie. And I, I hope I hope you did your dad, I hope I did your dad proud by saying Unforgiven. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Movie reviews dot fart rights. Hey, John. So matrix four is only six months away and the plot isn't, isn't even known yet in a time where trailers are debuted a year before being released. No, 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 that's not true. It used to be like that, but that's not really true anymore. Uh, in a time where trailers are debuted a year before being released, should I be worried about the lack of teasers slash trailers or hell even a synopsis? Thanks. No, I mean, there used to be it was not too long ago that we lived in an era where studios were putting out trailers for movies 10 months, 12 months, 14 months in advance before the movie ever came out. And that was a total waste of money because that's useless. That does nothing for your movie. Godzilla King of the Monsters was a great example of that. They launched the first big official trailer for it a year before that movie came out and everybody buzzed and everybody was excited because that first trailer was awesome. And everybody's like, wow, it looks so good. It looks so awesome. And then, but the movie wasn't coming out for another year. And then by the time it came out, people are like, oh, that movie? Didn't that movie come out forever ago? It didn't? Oh, Okay. It's, it's literally, it's blowing your load prematurely. Putting out a trailer a year in advance is like premature ejaculation. It's blowing your load way too early because hype is like mist in the air. It dissipates and disappears. You put out a trailer, it builds up some hype, but what's the point of doing that if you put it out so early that by the time your movie comes out, the hype of that trailer is completely gone and has been gone for a long time. It's been gone for a long time. It, so it's pointless. So what we have been seeing in the last couple of years, you know, for a year or two prior to the pandemic, we've been seeing studios realize, oh yeah, putting out trailers out in advance is just a waste of time. And you've seen the windows starting to shrink. So us being six months or seven months out from Matrix 4, I wouldn't, if I was in charge of the distribution, I wouldn't put out any trailers yet. I wouldn't put out personally for most films. Now, you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. But for me, for most films, I wouldn't put out a trailer till about four months in advance. And it can even be a little bit shorter. But I would say four months in advance. 
Because what's the point of creating hype now when that hype is just going to disappear and dissipate within a couple of weeks? Why don't you save it till you get a little bit closer to the film and then build momentum with your marketing campaign? So, look, I'm not even all that excited for Matrix 4. I don't think the Wachowskis have made a really excellent film since the first Matrix. I like Matrix 2 more than most people do. Matrix Reloaded. Like, I know a lot of people hate that movie, but I actually quite like it. Not nearly as much as the first Matrix. But almost everybody agrees the third Matrix movie, Revolutions, was kind of bad. And I honestly don't think the Wachowskis have done anything really notable or really exceptional since the first Matrix film, including one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life in that Jupiter's, uh, Jupiter, what was it, Jupiter Ascending? The one with Magic Mike? Yeah, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. And so I just don't have any excitement for Matrix 4. That doesn't mean I don't think Matrix 4, it's impossible that it can be great. It could be great, maybe, we'll see. But I don't have any excitement for it. But it's not time for a trailer yet. If they want to put it out now, great, but I wouldn't worry about it. If if you're looking forward to Matrix 4, don't worry a bit by the fact that, oh, there's not a trailer out yet or a synopsis. It's still a long ways away. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, By the way, Scott F. puts out a uh, Super Chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that, man, very much. All right. Uh, Let's move on now. Next up, we've got uh, JackJack121 who writes, Hey, John and Rob. Rob's obviously not here today. Most people agree that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the greatest Spider-Man film ever. That's not true. Most people don't agree with that. There are some people that feel that way because it's great. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is fantastic. But I think you'll find, I believe you will find most people believe that Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is probably the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Maybe. Maybe. I personally... I personally think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I really do. I I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. But Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, is this close to it. By the way, just got to put it out there that the best Spider-Man movies ever made were not made by Marvel. The best Spider-Man movies ever made were made by Sony. Both of them. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2. Those, to me, are the best Spider-Man movies ever, not made by Marvel. Don't get me wrong. I really like Homecoming and uh, Far From Home. I really like those movies a lot. I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. But anyway, let's get on with your question here. Do you think Sony is tailoring this upcoming film to Trump Into the Spider-Verse as the best? It seems to be using a lot of the same elements as Into the Spider-Verse and now possibly a direct reference. Yeah, of course, the direct reference he's talking about, in case you guys missed it the other day, um, was that Sony's Sony Argentina, their official Twitter account put out this like little title card video with the Spider-Man music for Spider-Man Far From Home. You know, it was that music was playing. And then all of a sudden, the Spider-Man logo did the glitch. Like what happened in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where the other universes, Spider-Mens, would every once in a while would have their glitch. And they did the glitch effect on it. So it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now, but it's important to understand that Sony is distributing spider-man far from home they're not producing it marvel is making spider-man uh no way home 
Marvel is the company, the production company making that film. Of course, it's in consultation with Sony, but Sony is doing the distributing of it. They'll decide what happens to the movie once it's done being made. And as the distributors, they're the ones who look after the marketing for it as well. So I don't know. I mean, I think that little thing really did make me wonder if there might be a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse crossover. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. Thanks for writing that in, Jack-Jack. Next up, uh, Dropkick Aggie writes, So heroes can only be selfish lovers, going back to the Batman thing. What a waste of a strong jaw. I don't see how the idea of the scene would be that much worse uh, than what they already did on Harley Quinn. Well, remember, it's not a... DC's position is not that a guy going down on a girl, they've done worse things in Harley Quinn. Yes, but Batman hasn't done worse things. That was DC's point. Was that it's not that you can't have somebody going down on somebody in the Harley Quinn show. Clearly, they've done worse. But it's that you can't have... And I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm just saying their point of view is you can't have Batman doing that. And I can't remember which YouTuber I saw talking about it. It might have been Philip DeFranco. It might have been. But he said, my God, like, you know how Batman's cowl has the ears? He's like, for a woman, that's like handles. That's like perfect. So Batman's cowl is made for him to go down on people. Anyway, I don't want to get caught into a vortex of that sort of a conversation. But, um, yeah, listen, uh, uh, while if I was in charge of Disney, If I was in charge of Disney, I would let them have that scene in Harley Quinn. But as a fan, I understand why they're doing that. I do. I mean, it's, it is Batman is by far their most valuable IP. And if they want to be a little cautious about how that IP is portrayed, that's fine. Again, I don't agree. I would do it a little bit differently, but I understand where they're coming from. Warner Bros. wants to protect that that uh, that IP. I get it. Now, again, it's like, well, how come you let Batman bang Gordon's daughter on a rooftop in that Killing Joke animated movie? But whatever. Whatever. Uh, it is it is a little... It's just a... a it's, it's more complicated than we like to make it out to be. So again, while I would have done it differently than Warner Brothers did, I understand the decision. I, I get it. I get it. I would have done it differently, but I get it. All right, next up. Uh, <laughs> the Brad Marks channel in the live chat just, just caught my eye, says, uh, The Dark Knight Descends. There, there's the title for the next movie, The Dark Knight Descends. Anyway, Diego writes, Hey, John, earlier this week you mentioned that you didn't think Charlie Cox's Daredevil would enter the MCU. No, 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 no. To be clear, to be clear, I said I didn't think he would be Daredevil in the MCU. Like, Evan Peters came into the MCU, but he wasn't Quicksilver. Right. He came into the MCU, but he wasn't actually Quicksilver. Could Charlie Cox come into the MCU? Absolutely. He could. He's an actor. He can get a role, but I just don't think he's going to be daredevil. But at any rate, let's move on here. Um, by the way, Kevin cow sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. Um, anyway, uh, you mentioned earlier this week that you didn't think Charlie Cox daredevil would enter the MCU, but multiple reliable, reliable, 
Insiders have has confirmed him as being in No Way Home. Curious about your thoughts on this and how reliable these insiders are. All right, look, let's let's just say everybody has a different definition of reliable. Here's the thing. I've been doing this job for a long time. And it is literally in the hundreds of times that reliable sources have said this, 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 and this, and it's never turned out to be true. And let, let me rephrase. It's not never turned out be, to be true, but the vast, 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 vast majority of the time that reliable sources that are not Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly, The Wrap, Deadline, the true real trades. Reliable sources that aren't those. It is literally in the hundreds of times that, that stories have come across our desk that wasn't in any of the actual real trades that reliable sources have said hundreds of times turned out to be not true and turned out to be BS. Does that mean that reliable sources that aren't Variety, Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, on and on, The Real Trades, can never be right? Of course not. Of course not. Even a bloke broken clock is right twice a day. Yes, of, of course, there have been times, but they have been very rare. Rare enough. Look, here's my basic philosophy on this. If something is true then it will get picked up by the real trades who have decades worth of relationships and contacts and real legitimate inside industry um, sources and stuff like that. If something that one of these reliable sources reports on and claims, if that turns out to be true, my experience has been sooner rather than later, one of the actual real trades will pick it up and also report it. And that has happened. It's happened where one of these outside reliable sources has reported something. And then like a week or two later, like the Hollywood reporter come out, Hollywood reporter can confirm that the report that so-and-so is going to do such and such. We found from our sources as well that this is true. If something is true, it will eventually be on the actual real trades. So am I saying the reliable sources are always wrong? No. What I am saying, though, is that the amount of times reliable sources have been right where the real trades never picked it up has been a very, very, very small number. A small enough number that to me, I made the decision a while ago that it's just not worth wasting airtime and talking about until it's actually confirmed by a legitimate source. You know, and I have reliable sources, but even if I claim something, and I very, very rarely give scoops, I hardly ever do scoops, like hardly ever. But even when I do, I tell people nobody else should run with this as a story because I'm not the Hollywood reporter. I'm not variety. I'm not deadline. So take what I say with a grain of salt, 
but my sources are telling me such, 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 and such. And nine times out of 10, they've been right. But I've been very, 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 very rarely will I try to break a scoop because I'm not in the scoop business. I don't claim to be. I don't want to be. Whatever. It's, it's a fool's game to me. So for a long time, there have been rumors that Charlie Cox was either going to be in She-Hulk or he was going to be in no, no Way Home. And, you know, rumors about he's going to be Daredevil and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is no legitimate trades have ever picked up on that. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible that it could be true. I'm just saying the reason I don't do a story about Charlie Cox in No Way Home, the reason I don't do that is because there hasn't been any verifiable, confirmable information to that thing. And again, in, in my career, and by the way, Kyle Benner sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Uh, thank you, Kyle, very much, man. I like the little uh, emoji you put in there, too. Um, anyway, um, I just, again, it's just over the course of my career, it's just experience. I have been burned hundreds of times by reliable sources that such and such non-real trade website says or such and such reliable source at non-real trade website says and it's been, literally been hundreds of times that it's turned out to not be true and the times that it has been true has been so rare that it just led me to the thing of i'm not saying it's impossible but I won't believe it until one of the real trades with the real sources and the decades-long relationships and the actual industry cachet says that it's so. And once they say it's so, then we'll go with it. And right now, none of them have said it's so. So could Charlie Cox be in No Way Home? Sure he could. He's an actor. They cast lots of actors. Could be. Could he be Daredevil from uh netflix i think it's highly unlikely but it's not impossible but it'll be worth talking about and actually diving into and actually dissecting once we know it's true and until one of the major trades i i just have a hard time believing that somebody like a john campia and gus's movie reviews dot fart can come up with information that after months of the rumor being there, Variety could never find out, and The Hollywood Reporter could never find out, and Deadline could never find out. And 99 times out of 100, that turns out to be the right approach. So, again, we'll see. We'll see. You never know. You never know. Once in a while, it does turn out to be the case. But once one of the major trades reports it, then it'll be worth us actually talking about. And uh, that's my approach to stories like this is uh, until it's actually reported by a real place. Yeah, we'll put it on the shelf. We'll put it on the shelf. So that's me for that. Anyway, next up. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. Next up, Alan Gonzalez writes, Hello, John. It's been a while since I don't since I don't write questions, but I have a big one. All right, Alan, what's the big one? Why did the TVA... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Why did the TVA took Loki, probably meant take Loki, instead of erasing that timeline with him in it? Also, listen to Dream Theater. It's like Rush on steroids. Have a nice day. Well, thank you so much for that, man. Um, okay, here's the thing. My What I think the answer to that is is that the TVA 
gives everybody a trial. Like if you're somebody that caused a nexus and become a variant, they don't just wipe you out without giving you the opportunity to state your case and to defend yourself. So they bring you in front of a judge and you get a chance to defend yourself. So I think that is very good of the TVA to do that. Like, again, not that Loki doesn't have plot holes with his time travel. All time travel stories have plot holes. But, uh, yeah, I always kind of looked at it, Alan, as the TVA giving the variants an opportunity to state their case and defend themselves before just passing judgment on them. That's how I'm taking it. Let's see how the rest of Loki goes. All right. Uh, let's see. That was Alan. Next up, we've got Jake M. who writes, uh, Hello, John. I am sorry to hear about your problems at Disneyland. Me too. Uh, I had the same problem with the Rise of the Resistance at Disney World in Orlando, uh, but Universal was better. At Universal, I was able to get on the new Jurassic World ride after after only 45 minutes. Yeah, listen, I Universal, look, I'm not going to sit here and say Universal is as good as Disneyland. I'm not going to say that. But Universal is great. And you know what? It's always... Ann and I have gone to Universal a lot, Universal Studios in Hollywood. We've gone there a lot, and it's always a painless experience. It's always been a painless experience. None of this waiting seven hours, or God forbid, you go there specifically for the Jurassic World ride, and you're not able to get on the Jurassic World ride at all. You made your whole plan around it. That was the main use, and you're going, and you're never going to. I've never had that experience at Universal. Again, I'm not going to pretend that Universal is as good as Disneyland, but at least it's always headache-free, and we always have a really good time. So I'm glad you had that experience, man. All right, Ethan uh, CO 2.0 sends in the Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Ethan. Appreciate that, man. All right, next up. Um, Ishmael Montoya writes, John, I just had eggs with ketchup in your honor. (laughs) Anyway, do you think... Feige is trying to tell us, the fans, that the Infinity Stones are no longer important, only paperweights. Yes, I do. I do. Listen, there's been a lot of talk about the Infinity Stones and stuff like that. And like a lot of people came up with theories after Endgame. It's like, now next, so-and-so will get a hold of the Soul Stone. Or in the next one, so-and-so will get a hold of the Mind Stone. And I've always been like, guys... The MCU has been about the Infinity Stones for like 13 years now and 20 plus movies. It is time to move on from the Infinity Stones. It's time to leave them behind and move forward. Everything in the MCU has been about the Infinity Stones up until now. And they climaxed it with Endgame. It's time to move on. And I do think you're right, Ismail. I think... Them putting in that little scene where Loki opens the drawer and there's just a whole bunch of deadweight infinity stones that are useless and having the other characters say, oh yeah, some of the guys use them as paperweights. I totally believe, totally think that that was Kevin Feige directly telling the audience the infinity stones aren't players in the game anymore. We've moved on. It's no longer about the Infinity Stones. Now we're dealing with other things. So I do think that's what... Now, I haven't heard Kevin Feige say that, but I agree with you, Ismail. I do believe that's the message Kevin Feige was sending. All right, next up. Aviator986 writes, one of three. Hey, John and crew. It looks like MoviePass isn't the only company being shady. Uh, It isn't movie-related, but it's interesting. There's a company called Progressive Leasing that markets 
online rent to own payment to own a uh, rent to own payment plans for furniture, jewelry, electronics, etc. No interest plans. You pay same as cash prices. Apparently, when the company would withdraw monthly payments from accounts, they would take out much more than the cash price of the items consumers would purchase. Anyway, I got money from the settlement for forty bucks for a mattress I made payments for through this company, and apparently, I paid a little more than I thought. Point is, just don't understand how companies feel they can get away with things like this. And yeah, we, of course, MoviePass has been in the news again recently. For those of you who haven't been around for a couple of days, MoviePass was in the news again recently because, yeah, they're still out of business. But now they're being investigated by the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, who has revealed some very disturbing things. Things like MoviePass would purposely go into people's accounts and change their passwords so they couldn't use the thing. That they, they, through their negligence, allowed a data breach of tons of their customers' information. That they would artificially throttle people's usages of things, introducing unreasonable verification checks like going to, to a movie using MoviePass. Okay, after the movie, you have to take a picture of your ticket stub and upload it to MoviePass or else your MoviePass account is going to get suspended. All these things to try to screw over their customers. And I don't think they're done. I think the FTC is going to find out even more stuff. But listen, Aviator, as you now know, obviously, MoviePass isn't the only company that tries to screw over their customers. Listen, everybody tries to think of ways that they can get away with shit. And they don't even think it through sometimes. Obviously, MoviePass thought they could get away with it. I feel like they're a Scooby-Doo villain. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you dang kids. And But there are others doing it. MoviePass ain't the only one. They ain't the first. They ain't going to be the last. Always be very, very cautious about the companies you go into business with, folks. Always be very, very cautious. Thank you for sharing that cautionary tale, Aviator. I appreciate that, man, very much. All right. Uh, next up. Tony Rodriguez writes, okay, Campia, forget Garfield and McGuire. I $50 tip guarantee, if I'm wrong, Charlie Cox is in Spider-Man 3 as Feige's version of, of Matt Murdock. We won't see Daredevil, not a big part, but I found out Feige wants to use the actor still. Again, uh, yeah, you found out. Uh, okay, again, look, I am not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible. But I have not seen any real legitimate information because, look, really, that rumor's been all around and nobody at The Hollywood Reporter could find out. Nobody at Variety could find out. Nobody at Deadline could confirm it. Nobody at The Wrap could find out this information and actually verify it. Really? Other people have better contacts than they do? Again, it has happened. It's not impossible. But... I mean, you go ahead and believe what you want to believe. When I see more actual concrete facts and information, then we can talk about it. Until that point, yeah, I'm, I'm dismissing it until we get better information. And that's what intelligent people do, right? Like, we have our opinions on something, but we change our opinions as more information becomes available. That's being a rational human being, so let, let's see how that plays out. All right, next up. Uh, do, 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 uh, film pastor writes, 
What film truly captures movie magic to you? Uh, they are rare, but they are movies that almost seem supernatural in terms of how they came together and changed film. Jaws, Star Wars, and Jurassic Park come to mind. The improbable Lord of the Rings is mine. Well, it all depends on how you define movie magic. Everybody's going to have a different definition of movie magic. Because, for instance, to me, some of the best examples of pure movie magic that I've had, like, in the last 10 years or so, uh, one was that uh, Emma Stone movie, The Help, got nominated for Best Picture. I remember I watched out, I walked out of, of watching The Help, and I immediately got on social media, and I didn't say what movie, because I was under embargo, but I got on social media and said, I just watched a movie that reminds me of why I love movies, and The Help was one. Another one with uh, starring Lupita Nyong'o called The Queen of Cotway. It's about a young African girl who becomes a chess prodigy. And there's no villain in the film. There's no bad guy. There's no, but it is just a magical movie. It's just completely magical. And those are two films to me that just like this is, these are the types of movies that really tell me, that speak to my heart about why movies are so great. How movies can be magical. And if you want to talk about movie magic as in a, a movie that went through like a really weird path to getting made, I mean, uh, just look at, uh, um, well, I mean, Godfather is one, but they're doing an entire story about the Godfather. So that's one. Uh, but there's a bunch of them out there. But anyway, yeah, it all depends on your whole definition of movie magic, I suppose. But those are two films that really stand out to me a lot. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, all Might, oh, <laughs> All Might writes, uh, that's the character from My Hero Academia. Anyway, hey, John, another recommendation for Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, this special is truly amazing and one of a kind. The songs and subject matter are funny, but also thought-provoking. It also, it also amazing to see what he accomplished with different gear by himself. Yeah, I've had a few people re recommending uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. I'll be honest, though. I, I watched some previews for it, and it looks like very much like a little art piece, and it, it just didn't appeal to me. Now, again, I'm not saying it's not good because I haven't seen it. I have no standing to say whether it's good or not because I haven't seen it. All I can say is that watching the previews is just like, this doesn't look like it's appealing to me. Now, clearly a lot of people are liking it, though, because I've had a couple of people, including yourself here, All Might, writing in to say that you really enjoy it. So, I don't know. It's funny, last night, Ann and I were going to bed. She was asking me, have you heard about this Bo Burnham's Inside thing? I'm like, and I told her, I said, yeah, like a few people have been writing in about it. But she had the same reaction as I did. She saw the previews, didn't really look like it appealed to her much. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to watching it. I mean, I've had a few of you guys writing in to say that you really like it. So, I just might have to, uh, I might have to check it out. I might have to check it out at some point. Thanks for that, All Might. Next up, Caleb writes, when it comes to Andrew Garfield, my favorite movie isn't Social Network or even Hacksaw Ridge. It's uh, Silence with Driver. That's a Marty Scorsese movie. Uh, Silence with Adam Driver and Liam Neeson. He was great in it. Such great conflict. The movie is, to me, the epitome of underseen. Only 23 million worldwide. What do you think of it? Silence is great. Silence is great. And it's not just Garfield who's great in it. Uh, Adam Driver is great in it. Liam Neeson, not a huge role, but Liam Neeson, great in it. And Marty Scorsese showing that he can do a lot of different types of things. It is probably the most 
underrated Marty Scorsese film of all time. And it tanked at the box office, like absolutely tanked. There have been a lot of discussions about why, because it's a good movie. I think it's Scorsese's most underrated. I don't think it's his best. I don't think it's even in his top three or four, but it's a really good movie. I think it's a very good movie. So there've been a lot of discussions about why did Silence, directed by Marty Scorsese, starring Liam Neeson, well, at the time, not many people knew who Adam Driver was, but uh, you had Adam Driver, you had uh, Andrew Garfield. Why did it not do well? There's been a lot of theories, bad marketing, the fact that it looked like it was faith-based and not a huge global audience is into faith-based films, and that's kind of what it looked like. I don't know. There could be a million different reasons. Maybe there's a million others. But it's a very good film, and uh, yeah, probably one of the more under, underappreciated ones. So uh, I, Michael ba- Brammer is saying, Silence is on Hulu and Epics. Listen, thanks for putting that in, my, in the live chat, Michael, because if you get a chance, yeah, watch. If sometime this weekend you got a couple hours and you and your buddies or you and your girl or whatever are hanging out and you just want something to watch, it's a good, good movie. Go check it out. Thanks for bringing that one up, Caleb. All right, next up. But, but for me, his Andrew Garfield's best performance is still Hacksaw Ridge. I, I, that, I still think that's his best performance. He should have gotten an Academy Award nomination for Social Network, and he didn't. I don't know why. Actually, I thought he should have won Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards last year. He didn't even get nominated. But I think his best performance is Hacksaw Ridge. All right, next up. Uh, Brandon Visconti writes, Hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here today. The walking dead final season will be upon us in August. I personally think it's the best show on TV. What are your thoughts? And are you excited for the walking dead movies to see what happened to the great Rick Grimes? Nope. Now look, let me be clear here. I really enjoyed walking dead to a point. I tapped out of walking dead a couple of seasons ago. Not because I thought the show started to suck or anything. It's just like I was over it. Like, look, you're not going to find a bigger ice cream fiend than me. Especially like, mmm, Haagen-Dazs has this chocolate peanut butter flavor. Oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. Mmm. Or a really good quality cookies and cream ice cream. Mmm, a good quality cookies and cream ice cream. Let me tell you something. You stand back. If you get between me and a good bowl of cookies and cream ice cream, you're going to get spooned to death as I rip my way through you to get to it. But even me, at some point, as I'm devouring a whole carton of cookies and cream ice cream, at some point I'm just going to go, okay, I've had my fill. Time to walk away. And... That's kind of what, it's not that I stop liking cookies and cream ice cream. It's just that, okay, I've had my fill. And I feel like it was the season that ended where they captured Negan. You know, it's the season that ends where they caught Negan and had him in his cage. That's when I was like, you know what? I've enjoyed this show. I've liked this show. I don't think the show sucks now. I don't think it suddenly turned crappy, but I'm, I'm done. I've, I've had my fill with it. And so I tapped out, I tapped out. Um, so listen, the walking dead is a show that it has a place in all time television history. 
It was monstrously popular, no pun intended, hugely popular, made stars out of some people. Um, and it just became really engaging television for a lot of folks and had a great long run. But am I excited? Like, did I, I tried watching fear the walking dead and I'm just like, okay, it's more of the same. So I tapped out on that pretty fast. And so am I excited? Am I going to watch this new season? No. Am I excited for the upcoming movies? No. Again, not because I don't think they're pretty good. I'm just walking deaded out. Yeah. Now, I don't know, like some shows like Supernatural, I can watch for 15 seasons and never get tired of it. But for me and Walking Dead, I enjoyed it. Good show. Thumbs up. But I just kind of tapped out after a while. So me, myself, personally, not really excited about. I, I don't plan on watching the new movies. I don't plan on watching the final season. Uh, I've got a good place in my heart for Walking Dead. It'll always have a good place there. It's, it's secured its place in television history but I'm kind of over it. But that's just me. doesn't mean you need to be. I'm just talking for myself. That's all. And I'm glad you're excited for it, Brandon. All right, next up. Um, Caleb writes, there is a new musical. It can star anyone, but they also have to write and perform at least three original songs. Who do you choose? Oh, that's easy. Uh, I choose Jared Leto, uh, truly one of the last triple threats, actor, singer, and music producer, uh, songwriter. That's not a triple threat. Triple threat in entertainment terms is sing, dance, act. That's that's what, when you hear the term in entertainment, triple threat, it's referring to singing, dancing, and acting. That's the triple threat. Anyway, I have no idea if, uh, I have no idea if Jared Leto can dance. And here's the thing. My answer to that is not Jared Leto. Jared Leto's a very good singer. I don't know if he can sing musical types of songs. Right? I don't know if he can sing musical types of songs. And there seems to be a difference between stage musical singing and like rock song singing. One can be great in both. One can be great in one and not the other. Like take Hugh Jackman, for example. Oh my God, when he's singing Broadway songs and musical songs, amazing. Do I think he could sing a top 40 hit though? Probably not. Um, so I don't know about Jared Leto. I don't know about Jared Leto. I mean, whether it takes 30 seconds to get to Mars or not, I don't know. But for me, if I had to pick one guy uh, to start a musical, write it, perform in it, sing in it, and dance in it, and act in it, oh, it's Hugh Jackman. I mean, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman to me is the most complete entertainer package in the world today. I'm not saying all time, because there have been some greats in years past, but today I don't think there's any greater pure entertainer when you consider the whole entertainment package than Hugh Jackman. He is an Oscar-level actor. He's a Broadway singer-dancer. He can do drama, he can do great comedy, he can do action, he can do it all. Hugh Jackman's the man. I, I mean, that's just it. Hugh Jackman is the man. I'm not saying he is the greatest actor in the world, but he's right up there. I'm not saying he's the greatest dancer in the world. I'm not saying he's the greatest singer in the world, but when it comes to the complete package, I, I don't know anybody that comes close. I don't know that anybody that comes close to Hugh Jackman. 
I really don't. Now, Corey's writing in. So I see a couple of people writing uh, Donald Glover. Uh, here's the problem with Donald Glover, and I'm a huge fan of Gambino. I am. Donald Glover can't sing. I mean, you can sing better than I can, but I'm saying on that le- he's he can't. He, he's a great rapper, but I hear whenever I hear him try to do his songs where he sings, I'm like, this is a guy who's really trying to sing, but he's not really an elite level singer. Um, very good actor. Um, I don't know if he can actually dance or not. I have I have no idea. I have no idea if he is. I love Donald Glover. Though. I think Donald Glo- Glo- Donald Glover's great. When are they finally going to give us a new thing of Atlanta? But uh, yeah, I just really think it is easily, easily, easily Hugh Jackman. No one else comes close to being the complete package like he is. But that's just my opinion. All right, thanks for that, Caleb. Uh, next up, Caleb also writes, uh, name this good Canadian kid. I helped show Mr. Murdoch the truth. I joined the KKK in Mississippi and I had an innocent boy drink my own blood bonus. What movies were I referring to? No idea. Sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't, I don't even know which any one of those movies are. I mean, a KKK in Mississippi. Are you talking about the Gene Hackman, Willem Dafoe, Mississippi burning? I can't think of any Canadian actors that are in that. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Murdoch, I don't know that you're talking about Daredevil. There's, there could be a hundred other movies with a character named Mr. Murdoch. So, unfortunately, I don't know off the top of my head. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next up. Uh, I'm a hero rights. New t-shirt. Real heroes go down. That's I know. I said that on the show the other day. Listen, DC. Real. Ask any woman. They'll tell you. Real heroes go down. Not all heroes wear capes. Real heroes go down. Just, just want to say that. You should, we should get that shirt made. All right. Uh, Zay Alex writes, Hey, John Rob. Rob's not here today, obviously. I'm a huge fan of your show and have been for many years. Thank you, Zay. I appreciate that. Um, uh, where am I? I lost my place here. My question is, would you ever do a pregame show about Superman and Lois? No, I would not. Uh, show is getting great and worth talking about. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about Kal-El having a brother. Listen, I am loving this show. I just yesterday watched the newest episode, so I am all caught up. Um, so I am all caught up. Um, but would I do a pregame show for Superman and Lois? No. Why? Not enough people watch it. I, I mean, it's... A decent amount of people watch it for a CW show, but not enough people watch it. Like Loki, you know, tens of millions of people are watching Loki. So it's worth doing a pregame show because there's enough people actually really excited about it. But I think like, I think Superman Lois had like 1.7 or 1.8 million people watch it, its debut episode or something like that. Like, so while I am really loving Superman and Lois, and I love when people write in questions about Superman and Lois because I do love talking about Superman and Lois. Um, it just doesn't come close. And by the crash, uh, crashing coyote says Superman and Lois has more viewers than Loki, though. No, it does not. Not by a mile. Not by a mile. It does not have anywhere near the amount of viewers that uh, that Loki has. Now, I know some... Here's, here's some confusion. There's some confusion because... Um, yeah, some people say, but John, only 800 and something thousand people watched Loki. No, that's not true. Um, what it was, was that the 
the company that measures the streaming platforms analytics. Think of them. Remember the old TV rating system, the Nielsen ratings, right? So the Nielsen ratings, all of television was based on the Nielsen ratings, right? But obviously not every house had Nielsen monitoring boxes. I I think it was only like a million households had it, maybe even less than that. But based on those million households, they would extrapolate then how many people in all of America must be watching these shows, all based on how many Nielsen households watch the show. There's a company, I think it's called Samba or something like that, but they monitor and they monitor 3 million households. And of those 3 million 890,000 watched Loki. That's almost one in three. That's almost one in three. So the what whatever the grand total was, who knows? But yes, um, it did have uh, it did have more. It had it had a lot more. But at, at any rate, so well when you have shows like that that come out. Shows like WandaVision that become cultural phenomena. Uh, when you have shows like that, I can do a pregame show for because enough people are watching the show to make it worth doing a pregame show for. With Superman and Lois, not enough people watch it. Hopefully they will someday. Hopefully they will. Being a CW show, I, I doubt it. CW doesn't traditionally get huge numbers for their shows. All I know is that I love Superman and Lois. It's a great show. I'm, I'm so shocked by that, but I really, really, really am enjoying it. Okay, next up. Um, Justin writes, one of three. I just returned from Disney World and, uh, sorry, I just returned from Disney World. Ah, uh, they weigh, ah, uh, uh, they weigh that I was able to guarantee I just returned from Disney World. Ah, they weigh that I was able to guarantee a boarding group on Rise of the Resistance twice was by having multiple people all sign on to my Disney account on different phones and hitting join group all at once at 7 a.m. Two people in Orlando and two people back home in Boston. Uh, That might be... That may... Guys, please proofread. (laughs) That may be helpful... That may be helpful for you if you decide to try joining virtual queues again. I'm never going back to Disneyland again. Uh, When it comes to the Spider-Man ride, it's only been open for a week. Demand is extremely high for that ride. Um, I do hope you give Disneyland another chance, though. Nope, not happening. I really have enjoyed both Disney World and Land when I visited both. All right. But listen to yourself, Justin. Listen to yourself. You had to get how many other people? You had to get multiple people in multiple cities and onto your Disneyland account to try to manipulate a way to get into an attraction that you paid your money for to go to. Look, you know what the perfect example of this? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know how you wouldn't know, but if you haven't watched the last couple of days, let me vent on this for a second. All right, let me vent on this for a second. So Ann and I go to Disneyland. We paid $1,500. Now, a lot of people have to pay a lot more if they're flying in from around the country. But Ann and I paid $1,500 for a couple of park hopper tickets to Disneyland 
and the hotel at the uh, Disney Grand, right? So we paid 1500 bucks, and it was our anniversary weekend. And the main reason we went, because there were two attractions we wanted to experience. We wanted to experience Rise of the Resistance, and we wanted to experience the new Spider-Man Web Slinger feature. Okay? That's where we wanted to go. Now, it is important to understand that when you go and book your thing, you do not get to book your place in the attraction. So yes, we booked our tickets for Saturday, but what you cannot do, what Disney does not allow you to do, no, 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 says the mouse. <laughs> the mouse says, no, no, no. You you can give us your money to buy tickets to come to the park, yes, but you cannot reserve a spot in one of the attractions. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to wait to the day you come to the park to find out if you get on the attraction. Oh, and by the way, if you can't get on the attraction, it's too late to get a refund because you have to request a refund 24 hours in advance before you ever find out if you can get onto the attractions. Ha <laughs> ha, says Mickey, that son of a bitch. Okay, now. I've had some monumental sized morons on Twitter going, oh, John, you just think you're entitled. Fuck you. I don't think I'm entitled. I think I'm a consumer who paid money to a company for an experience that they advertise. And then once I got there, I didn't get to have that experience and they wouldn't refund me my money because it was too late and they give me no way. You know what this is like? Here's what this is like. I just thought of this. Let me bring this up here. Uh, give me one second. Let me bring this up. Uh, let me bring up the Campia classroom for a second because I, I, I want to write this out. Okay, so this is what this thing is like. Um, let's see. Uh, F-U uh, Disneyland. Okay, so this is what this whole thing is like. Imagine, okay, let's, let's bring up the Campia classroom for a second. All right. Imagine this. You're sitting at home and you see a commercial from an AMC theater and AMC says, come to the theaters this weekend and see Endgame. Woo! We've got Endgame, says AMC theaters. Come on. Look, look, look at this great new movie. Let's pretend it's new. Look at this great new movie, Avengers Endgame. Don't you want to see Avengers Endgame? Look at all the smiles they put in their advertisements. Look at all the smiles on the people's faces coming out of the theaters having seen Endgame. Endgame's wonderful. Look at, look, here's another average guy. Endgame was great. Look at all these average people. Look at the smiles on their faces. Don't you want to come see Endgame? Great, says AMC Theaters. Today, buy a... I don't know, let's say $60 tickets. So let's say, so 60 bucks to get two tickets for you and a date, and then it'll get you a popcorn and a couple of large drinks, okay? But you got to buy that in advance. You got to buy it in advance, okay? So AMC says, come on down to AMC this weekend, and, you know, Endgame is playing here. Woo! Endgame! Yeah! And they say, but you got to buy your tickets now. Got to buy them now. Get online, pay 60 bucks. You'll get two tickets to come to the theater. And you get a large popcorn and two drinks. Okay, great. Here's the problem. 
you get you 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 buy the tickets. You then go to AMC on Saturday, the day your tickets are for. And they tell you Endgame is awful. Hey, thanks for buying your tickets to AMC, everybody. We're glad you paid us your 60 bucks. Woohoo, yeah, we are playing Endgame, but uh, but now that you're here, just so you know, Endgame's full. What? The reason we came to the AMC theater today was to see Endgame. That's, that's why we bought our tickets. You wouldn't let us book a seat in the theater. You said we had to just get here and hope there were seats available, but we paid the 60 bucks, and now you're telling us we can't see Endgame today? Yeah, sorry about that. Tough luck, but, but, uh, says AMC, but, says, says AMC, we have eight other movies here. Oh, great, over there, you've got fucking that awful Assassin's Creed movie, and over here, you have some rom-com. And over there, there's like a, an older action movie. And over there is a 10-year-old comic book movie. Oh, see, we have lots of other movies here. Just go and watch one of the other movies. But I paid to see Endgame. That's why I came. I came here so I could see Endgame. You put out these commercials. Come to AMC Theaters. We've got Endgame. I bought my tickets. I came, and now you're telling me I can't actually see Endgame because it's full, but I can go watch one of the other ones. So I say, okay, can I have a refund or change my tickets to come see Endgame another day? And Disney says, fuck you. No, it's too late. It's too late. We've got your money now. Your money's now ours. You had some money in your pocket, but now it's in my pocket. <laughs> your money is now in my pocket. And I'm not going to give you what you came here for. Why don't you come back next week and try your luck again? Maybe you'll get lucky next time. So AMC said, come to our theater. Come buy a ticket and come to our theaters because we've got Endgame. So you buy tickets, but you get there and they say, sorry, Endgame is full. And you say, and they say, go watch one of the other movies. And you're like, but I didn't come here for the other movies. I came here because you advertised Endgame. And they said, well, too bad. Try again another time. So you say, okay, then can I get a, a refund so I can come back another time where maybe I will get to watch Endgame? And they go, sorry, the deadline for getting a refund was yesterday. But I had no way of knowing yesterday if I was going to be able to get into Endgame or not. I know. Too bad. Doesn't that suck? Ha <laughs> ha! That's, that's what they did. That's what they did. And then I get some fucking morons on Twitter going, Oh, Campia, you sound entitled. I'm not, I don't think I'm entitled. I'm just saying Disneyland needs to give me shit for free. I'm just saying is I paid $1,500. Because you put in all your commercials, welcome back to Disneyland. And we've got the new Avengers Web Slinger. And we got, a, you know, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance and blah, blah, So you pay your $1,500. They give you no way to book your spot on those attractions in advance, even though it would be the easiest thing in the world. Easiest thing in the world. 
for them say when you buy your tickets for you know three Saturdays from now okay we've got openings in boarding group 17 18 and 19 and you can book your spot but no no you know why Disney doesn't let you do that because if you find out that the ride that you want to go is full you might not come and we want your money <laughs> we want you to pay to come and not find out that you can't actually get there because we don't want to let you know that the attractions you're coming for are all full because then you might not give us your money. We want to make sure we get your money. Even if we know full well, there's a really good chance you're not even going to get to be able to go on the attractions that you paid to come here for. It's like AMC theaters saying, hey, we've got Endgame, buy tickets to the theaters but when you get there going, oh, that movie's full. But hey, you bought tickets to come into the theater. We've got eight other screens playing other movies, but you didn't go there for those other movies. You went there to see Endgame, and they're not going to... Ref- you- anyway, you get my point. You get my point. And that is why I'm never going back to Disneyland again. Now look, I st- don't get me wrong. I love Disney. I love Loki. Loki's great. Zevia, sponsor me, you sons of bitches. I, I love Loki. I love the MCU. There's a lot of stuff. I love Pixar. I love, I still love almost everything with Disney. But Disneyland is a fucking scam. Disneyland is an outright scam. And when I shared that experience the other day, you would not believe how many people I had, like people I know and total strangers write to me who had the exact same experience. Like I had a, a buddy of mine who called me on the phone and said, I took my two sons and we got the hotel. We spent like $3,000 uh, because they got multiple nights and they had three tickets and blah, blah, blah. I took my sons and we never got to go on either of those rides. Those, that's what we went for. And my son was pissed, he said. His older son was pissed. I'm not the other one. Anyway. Sorry, that was a... Um, uh, that was uh, completely non-movie related. I'm sorry. That for me was therapeutic. Now, I have had t- people tell me... Like, I've got somebody in the live chat right now. Edison is saying Orlando is better than Anaheim. I have had people tell me that the experience at Disney World in Orlando is better. I've never been there, but I've heard a bunch of people say that the experience at Orlando Disney World is better than the experience at Anaheim Disneyland. And maybe someday I'll try that out. But until they fundamentally change the way they do things at Ripoff Park, a.k.a. Disneyland, I'm never going back again. I, I, I've, I'm, I have no reason to give them another dollar of my money. Anyway. Sorry for that rant. I'm sorry. I was using you guys as my own personal counselors as I therapeutically try to sort through my anger issues over the damn Disney ripoff. And look, maybe I wouldn't have been as upset, but it also, it almost ruined my honeymoon, honeymoon. It almost ruined my anniversary weekend, right? So I'm extra mad about that, that I had my wife also be very disappointed and oh, fuck god help you if you piss off if you piss off my wife or if you upset my wife i get very upset i get very very angry about that i'm sure all husbands can kind of relate with how i feel so you know so seeing my wife disappointed only made me more pissed off and anyway blah 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 wine 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 bitch 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 complain 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 okay i've got it out of my system got it out of my system okay let's uh let's move on here shall we let's move on 
the next one we're going to go is, so no, Justin, I am not giving Disneyland another try. And the very fact that the only way you could get on the ride was by trying to game the system and have multiple people around the country trying to get on the ride for you just highlights the problem. It just highlights the problem. Anyway, next up, Willow writes, oh, okay, come on, come on, KB, pull it together. Uh, Willow writes, I'm unfamiliar with the character of Spider-Ham and have only known him from Into the Spider-Verse. I only know him from Into the Spider-Verse too. Uh, is there a reason why he turned into a pig with super spider powers instead of remaining a spider with a super pig powers? I, listen, I, for all I know, and maybe you guys can help me out here, um, I think they, I think they might have created Spider Ham for Into the F- Spider Verse. I could be wrong about that. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. But if I not, if I'm remembering it correctly, in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, Spider Ham comes from a universe where it's all animals, right? And he was a pig. He was just a regular pig, then bit by a radioactive spider and became Spider Ham. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's how it happened. Uh, well, and if, if you guys know better, let me know. We'll find out. Um, okay, next up. Uh, Jaron Morris writes, I will admit as a true loyal fan, he doesn't have the greatest record and he was losing 24 minutes of the fight. And it was the last 60 seconds at that moment on why we love Nate Diaz. Uh, what were your thoughts on that moment? Uh, Dizzy Army, hashtag Nate and Nick. So in the last UFC, for those of you who don't know what Jaron's talking about, there's a UFC fighter called Nate Diaz, and he has an older brother, Nick Diaz, and they're both legendary UFC fighters. Uh, Nick Diaz just had a fight on the last UFC, basically got his ass handed to him for four and a half rounds, and then out of nowhere, with like 30 seconds left in the fight, he just starts to unload on this guy and comes this close to knocking the, the dude out. But of course, he lost by unanimous decision afterwards. Listen, I think Nate Diaz is a very, very entertaining fighter. I will always watch a Nate Diaz fight. I will always watch a Nate Diaz or a Nick Diaz fight. Um, always. They're always entertaining. They're always going to be flamboyant. They're always going. They're both tough as rocks. They are both energizing, exciting fighters to watch who can pull out submissions or knockouts at any time. But the reality is, and I have said this for a long time, Nate Diaz is not a great fighter. He is a better than average UFC fighter. Like he's better than the average UFC fighter, but he's not, he's never going to wear a belt. Um, he's not great. You just look at his record and you look at who he's lost to. And I remember when they were doing the uh, BMF title fight, remember between him and Jorge Masvidal and Dwayne The Rock Johnson came, they had this baddest motherfucker belt. Like they created this fake belt for Nate Diaz versus, you know, Jorge Masvidal. And like everybody got mad at me, but I said, it's like neither of these guys are actually that great. They're both very entertaining They're both good. They can both win. But all you got to do is look at their records and look at who they've lost to. They're not really super impressive. And and that's what Nate Diaz is to me. He is a better than average fighter who is extremely exciting to watch fight. Extremely. Listen, getting into that last round, I was cheering for Nate to win that fight. When he started coming back, it was awesome. But he's very entertaining, but he's actually not that great. 
So I don't know. That's kind of my take on the Diaz brothers at any rate. Uh, of course, they both kicked my ass for sure. But I mean, by UFC standards, they're not that great. Anyway, Jaron Morse also writes, Francis, Izzy, Usman, these are all UFC champions. Jan, Brandon, and Rose all have fights in their divisions uh, where they have competition. Reason I say this is because I feel truly Valentina and Amanda are the most dominant champions in the UFC. Thoughts? P.S. I put Valentina above Nunez as goat. Of course, Valentina Shashenko and Amanda Nunez are the two dominant female champions in the UFC. And they're both absolute assassins. Like, they're absolute assassins. And now that... Um, now that uh, Habib Nurmagomedov has retired, the eagle, the pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter in the world, uh, now that he's retired, I agree. I think Valentina Shashenko and Amanda Nunez are probably the two most dominant champions in their divisions right now. And they both just happen to be female fighters. Uh, listen, I would love to see Valentina versus Nunez 3 because they fought twice before, but you can't put Valentina above Nunez because despite whether you agree or disagree with the judges' decisions in their fights, Nunez right now is 2-0 and against Valentina. So you can't have Valentina above Nunez right now. You just can't. So, But I want to see a third fight. And honestly, I, I might even put my money on Valentina in a third fight, but you gotta, we got to have a third fight. Okay, next up. Um, let's see, where are we at? Uh, Jaron also writes, the last 60 seconds of that Nate Diaz versus Leon fight is the reason why, even without the greatest record, that's the reason I'm a diehard loyal to the end and why he is loved and has, uh, the most loyal diehard fan base, maybe the most loyal fan base in the UFC. Oh, I agree. Not a great record. He'll never be champion, but you have no pulse if you're not excited by a Nate Diaz fight. He has a never-say-die attitude. He is in it until he's unconscious. And him and Nick, both men, just completely dynamic guys to watch. Very, very entertaining. All right, Joker Burst writes, Hey, John, question for you. Do you ever think it's a bit odd that Japanese animation films are hardly recognized by the Oscars? Nope, they've never really deserved it, uh, unless they break historical records. While in my personal experience, they are some of the most beautiful movies I've seen. Here's the problem with questions like that, Joker Burst. You, when you speak in generalities, it's like you got to be more specific. What film particularly do you think deserved, didn't get the Oscar attention, and you think it deserved to win Best Picture? You can't just speak in generalities. Like some people say, you know, oh, the Academy Awards don't acknowledge superhero movies enough. Well, point to me a superhero movie that actually deserved a Best Picture nomination. I mean, we've had a couple get them. I mean, Joker, Black Panther... Uh, Logan got nominated for best screenplay, one of the most important Academy Awards there is, blah, blah, blah. But, but point to me like Endg Endgame did not deserve a best picture nomination. I love Endgame. Totally love it. Did not deserve a best picture nomination. Um, I, but that's the problem. When you speak in generalities, it's easy to pose these questions, but you got to get more specific. Give me three specific movies and the movies they would have been against and why those specific movies deserved an Academy Award win more than the specific movies that came out the same year that did win. You got to make it a little bit more specific because just speaking in generalities, it's easy to just pontificate when it doesn't actually have any tangible meaning, but you got to be more specific. Got to be more specific. Okay. Um, next up. 
Uh, Ryan Loner writes, Season four of The Handmaid's Tale is easily the best so far. I don't know if I'd say it's the best, but I'm really liking it. Uh, Mostly because they realize that just maybe this story should make some kind of forward progress at some point. I'm looking forward to the next season like I've never been before. Yeah, listen, this has been... uh, There's been more movement in season four. I don't think season four has been the best season, but there has definitely been more story movement in season four than in any of the other seasons. I mean, just look at where June starts this season and where June ends this season. Totally tons of movement, a lot of what W, like a lot of big WTF moments. It's this is a tremendous show, an absolute tremendous show. What's really, what's really disturbing watching this show, though. And look, I'm not going to get into politics. I'm just all I'm going to say is, it's crazy when you watch, um, Handmaid's Tale. And you know, when, you know, Gilead in Handmaid's Tale, for those of you who don't know, who don't watch Handmaid's Tale, you won't know what I'm talking about, but it is crazy to watch this show and see Gilead and know that there are a certain percentage of Americans that thinks that's the way America should be just like Gilead. They don't look at, at Handmaid's Tale as a borderline horror film. They look at it as a utopia. That's how the world should be. Anyway, it's crazy. I'm not saying which Americans, again, I'm not going to get political here. I'm not saying which Americans or how many. I'm just saying you know that there's a certain percentage of Americans that think, yeah, Gilead and The Handmaid's Tale, that's how America should be. That's a very disturbing thought. It's a very disturbing thought. Anyway, uh, next up, uh, we've got, uh, where are we? We're at Boris who writes, it wasn't only that I wanted to see her again. It was that I needed to see her again. That's what I said about Anne yesterday. It wasn't just that I wanted to see her again. It was that I needed to see her again. If that makes any sense. You, season three coming to Netflix in 2021. All jokes aside, uh, it was very a very sweet story. Have a great day. Of course, I think it was yesterday that, uh, and it might have been Marie that asked me to talk about when did I know that Anne was the one that I that I wanted to marry. And, and, and that's what I said. I said, it's, it's when it was about a few months into our relationship when I woke up, cause I would wake up every day wanting to see Anne that day. Cause you know, it was, you know, it was fresh and it was fun, but it was when a day that I woke up and I realized it's not that I want to see Anne today. It's that I need to see Anne today. And that's kind of when I knew, oh my gosh, I'm hooked. I'm like, I'm hooked now. I'm done. I'm hooked. So that's what it was for me. Thanks for that, Boris. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Chuck, the mystery writes. Hey, John and Rob, one of two. Ever since a renewed discussion about the possibility of Todd Phillips moving forward with Joker 2 came up, I've been thinking about where the story could go. We know that Thomas Wayne almost never spoke the truth and basically drove Arthur's uh, author's mom to madness. So question becomes, who was telling the truth? My question is, at this point, for purposes of the potential sequel, do you think Bruce Wayne and Arthur are actually will actually be brothers in this universe? Thanks. I mean, maybe I'm not remembering it right. Maybe I'm not remembering it right. But I thought the movie ended it by making it pretty clear that uh, Arthur was not Thomas Wayne's son. I mean, I, again, it's been a beat since I watched Joker. It's probably been about a year since I watched it. But and maybe I'm not remembering it right, but to my recollection, I remember that movie ending and basically establishing that no, his mother was just crazy and Thomas Wayne was not his father. 
Like I, I thought the movie made that pretty clear. Maybe I'm not remembering it right. Um, but you guys in the live chat, do you guys remembering that? Like, like yes or no, but by your understanding of the movie, yes or no, was Thomas Wayne Joker's father? To me, it's no, I don't remember the movie that way. Like how, how did you guys see it? I'm, I'm just going to wait. Cause there's about a 20 second delay between when I say it, when you guys actually hear it, uh, because of the YouTube delay, but it's crashing. Kelly saying she was insane. Uh, Aaron is saying Thomas Wayne was not the father. Now, Liam, Ash, Corporate are all saying no, 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 no. Flangin, SL, Enzo, uh, Kyle, uh, Yellow, Lord Cooper. Yeah, everybody's saying no. Okay, so yeah. So, no. Now, Angel is saying it was unclear, but everybody else is saying no. So, uh, yeah. And then we've even got uh, Quentin saying hell no. He was. So, where they're going to go if they do indeed do a sequel to Joker, which isn't hundred percent guaranteed right now, but if they do where they go, I have no idea, but I don't think it's going to be in the direction of Batman or that Joker and Bruce are actually brothers. Or I, I thought the first one made that pretty clear, but who knows, man, maybe you're right. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Next up. Uh, Chuck the Mystery also writes, as I'm not sure if you or Rob have seen episode 10 of Superman and Lois yet. I, I believe I am all caught up. Yes. I'm not going to say anything about it, except that the acting continues to be exceptional. Emmanuel uh, Shriekwai, I'm not quite sure, as Lana. Oh, yeah, she's the girl from Entourage. That's right. As Lana was fantastic in this episode. The show is on fire. The show's great. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not for everybody. I'm sure, sure Superman Lois is not, you know, for everyone. But my God, man, I, I have really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the ending of this last episode was a little too easy and convenient for how ultimately, again, I won't give any spoilers where people have to, but for ultimately how Superman solves the problem, I thought it was a little too easy and convenient, but that's just me. Uh, but overall, the show's been great. The, the cast has been wonderful. I'm really liking, again, I don't know how to say Tyler's name, Tyler Hoechlin or Hawklin. Or Hoochie Hoochie, Ookie Ookie. I have no idea how to pronounce his name, okay? I just read his name a million times. I've never actually heard his name said. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll just go with Tyler uh, uh, Hoechlin. Anyway, this dude's great. He's he's really won me over. I really like his iteration as Superman. I mean, he's not Henry Cavill. Who's, he's, don't get mad at me. I got Henry have, standing right here. Don't get mad at me, Henry. I'm not saying he's as good as you. Okay, just relax. Calm down. The doctor told you about that. But he's really good. This dude is really, really good. Uh, some people are saying Hacklin. Okay, Hacklin. Hecklin. 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 There we go. Taylor, Tyler Hecklin. I'll probably still say Hoechlin, but Hecklin. We'll, we'll say it's Hecklin. Um, he's really good. He has really won me over. And uh, I've been enjoying this show a lot. Uh, let's see. Next up. Uh, Brennan M. writes, sends in like a $50 super chat. Thank you. Brennan, for supporting our channel on that level, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, he writes, hey, John and crew, no question. I just wanted to show support and share something. Wife and I are going to go see A Quiet Place 2 for our third anniversary. That's awesome this weekend. We saw the first one right before we got married, so we find that fun. Keep up the great work. That is great. When you can, for your anniversaries, find little traditions like that, that is great. And the fact that you guys, right before you got married, you saw the first Quiet Place, which is, to me, the best movie of 2018. I thought it should have 
won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, my top three favorite films that year, number one was Quiet Place. Number two was uh, Black Klansman, which is amazing. And my third favorite movie of that year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, but that is awesome. When you can connect that to like little family traditions or marriage traditions, that is a special, special thing, Brennan. So I'm glad you guys are able to do that. And thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing that with us. And, and again, thank you for contributing to our channel on that level, man. That's really generous. Thank you very, very much. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Jeremy, who tips in like $20. Thank you for supporting us on that level, Jeremy, who writes, Hey, John, I hope you're having a great day. I am having a great day doing this show with my fellow film fans on here, going to Vegas a little bit later. It's a good day. Um, I was wondering if you had seen Untitled Horror Movie that just released. It's low budget, but I had fun watching it. If you have, what are your thoughts? And thanks for all you do for us movie fans. Okay, so I think I have not watched it. Because I've heard it's absolute garbage. And it's got uh, Cal, I think Cal Penn is in it. And what's her name? What's her name? I think from um, from the originals. The girl who played Rebecca Michelson in the originals. I think I saw that she was in it as well. Anyway, I think it's a Netflix movie. I think it's Netflix. Anyway, uh, I talked to a couple people who watched it. One said they had to turn it off halfway through and one watched the whole thing, but said it was terrible. So I, hold on a second. Let, let me, let me see if I can bring this up here. Hold on a second. Um, let's see. Untitled horror movie. Okay. And it is, um, let's bring it up here on the screen. Shall we? We'll bring it up on the screen. Uh, untitled horror movie. Uh, directed by Nick Simon. I don't know anything by him. Uh, Claire Holt. That's her name. From uh, uh, from the originals. I, I like the originals. Cal Penn is, is in it. Who else is in it? Aisha Tyler. I love her. She's one of the voices in... Uh, uh, what's the animated spy show? Why am I freezing on the name of it? I love it. It's like my favorite animated show on TV. Uh, What's guys help me out? What's the name of the spy show? The animated I'm totally it's it's the character's name, the main character's name. Anyway, her character, Tyler's character's name is Lana. So I, I remember that, but I can't remember the name of the Archer. Thank you, Dave Atkins. Why did I freeze on Archer? Anyway, Archer. Uh, she's one of the voices in Archer. She's great in that. Who else is in it? Um, Catherine McNamara's in it. Uh yeah, I heard it was terrible. So it's on IMDb, it's got a 4.2 out of 10. So there's that. What did Nick Simon direct? What else did he direct? He also directed uh, Untitled Karma, Truth or Dare, a TV movie. I'm not familiar with it. Two Lava, Two Len, Tula. Never heard of that. Girls in the Photographs, Chase, blah, Buckets of Short. I've never heard of anything else he's directed. But he's directed a bunch. Anyway, so no. To answer the question, I have not seen Untitled Horror Film. I know a couple people who watched it. They said it was terrible. But if you liked it, man, that's awesome. Glad you saw it. All right. Next up. Uh, was that Diego? Oh, no. I'm in the wrong spot. Hold on a second. There we go. Uh, that, was, uh, that was Jeremy, I think. Yes, that was Jeremy. All right. Thanks for that, Jeremy. Next up, Jeremy also writes in. Also, don't uh, forget to pull 
the audio version of your show, or don't forget to plug the audio version of your show. I listen to it every day while driving. It helps pass a lot of boring miles on the highway. I I look forward to that notification every time from Apple Podcasts that there's a new episode available. Well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to plug this because let me do that right now. Hold on a second. Uh, So, yeah, and I just announced, I think it was on yesterday's show, we just announced this, that, of course, listen, for you guys who can't always be in front of a YouTube you know, video because you're driving, you're at the gym, you're at school, whatever, we do have an audio-only version of the show. It's called the John Campus Show Podcast. Uh, it is available on Apple, Spotify, wherever, whatever your podcasting app of choice is, the audio-only version of the show is available there for you guys. And yeah, I think it was yesterday we announced that I just noticed we had just crossed a milestone um, on the podcast feed where we have had over 10 million downloads uh, of our podcasts so far, which I'm sure compared to a lot of podcasts is nothing. I'm sure it's like insy bitsy tiny to compare to a lot of podcasts. But for us, that's a pretty big deal. So a big thank you to all you guys who subscribe to the podcast uh, and help us got to that 10 million mark. Appreciate it very, very much. And for all of you who didn't know about or whatever, the John Cape Show's podcast is there. Go sign up for it and uh, subscribe to it so it's there whenever you need it. All right. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to plug that, man. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, let's move on here. Next up is uh, Wesley Cunningham who writes, Sup, John? Just watched a video online mentioning it, and it got me thinking. Is that Richard Pryor biopic starring Mike Epps even still happening? No news in forever, but Epps changing it up with a dramatic role, a comics uh, dream role, that is, seemed interesting. I'll tell you what. I could be wrong about this. I could be wrong about this. But I think I remember talking about this story all the way back in the AMC days. Like, I, I honestly think I remember sitting at the news desk back in the old AMC movie talk days and discussing that there was a Richard Pryor biopic coming. I think I remember that. Now, on top of remembering talking about that, I completely uh, concur with you that, yeah, um, I haven't heard anything about it in forever. Like in forever. I've heard nothing about it. So if you guys have heard any new developments on that, I'd love to hear it. But uh, yeah, like you, that is something that just completely fell off the radar. And I don't pers- I don't even know if the thing is even still happening. I, I'm not saying it's not. Don't get me wrong. Don't misquote me. I'm not saying it's not still happening. I'm saying I don't even know if it is for sure. Anyway, there's that. All right, next up. HV3 writes, John, someone stole your straw butter popcorn trick. I've seen that uh, and uh, put it on TikTok and the video went viral. I saw on the third, I saw on the third hour of the show today. uh, They must be a fan of your show. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So you guys know years ago, absolute years ago, I showed you guys my trick, my buttering trick for popcorn in movie theaters, right? I showed you the straw trick. Because, you know, to me, popcorn is nothing but a butter delivery device. The more delicious butter you can get on the popcorn, the better. But the problem is to give you a bag of popcorn and you just get the butter on the top of the popcorn. Then you get about this deep in the popcorn. There's no more butter. What is that bullshit? So I showed you guys years ago. You put the straw down near the bottom of the, the, the bag. 
Then you put the other end of the straw to the butter dispenser and you move it around. And then you bring it up and up and up until you get to the top and nice even butter. I have noticed in the past couple of months, more and more of these videos coming along saying, butter trick for popcorn. I'm like, you jerks. I was telling people about that years ago. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just happy the good word is getting out. How you and I can truly enjoy the deliciousness of butter more evenly on our movie popcorn. I'm just glad the news. I don't need to have credit. I don't need the credit for it. I'm just glad the word's getting out there because the people are yearning for butter. The masses, the people are crying out. Listen, can you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? It is the music of a nation who will not be slaves again. And the songs that they are singing is, we need more butter on our popcorn. Little lay Miz there for you on a Thursday afternoon. That's the song of the people. So we need more butter on our popcorn. And uh, I'm just glad the good word is getting out there. Okay, next up. I do love lame is okay. Next, uh, next up is Jason who writes, uh, Hey, John and Rob, can you use your powers of influence to conjure a new foundation trailer? Oh my gosh. Talk, that's another one. It's, it's, it's supposed to come out this year on Apple. Is it not? Anyway, new foundation trailer into existence. Ever since the first trailer last year, I've been at the edge of my seat anticipating the series. What is your excitement level for the show? Pretty high. Now, listen, it wasn't super high before, even though Jared Harris, the son of the late, great, uh, Richard Harris. And by the way, Jared Harris is man. He's, even though his father is like legend, Jared Harris, I think, is every bit the actor that his dad was. Did you guys see him in Chernobyl? Oh, my God. Jared Harris is turning into a hell of an actor. Like a hell of an actor. He's so good. Anyway. Uh, and then uh, Lee Pace is in it as well. Jared Harris, Lee Pace... Based on the uh, the, the old uh, books, it, the, the trailers before looked good, but I didn't know if I could get excited for it because of, it was going to be on Apple Plus, who cares? But since that time, I've seen a few Apple Plus shows and I'm like, wow, they're putting out really good quality stuff and that added to my excitement. Now look, last I heard of Foundation, it was supposed to come out sometime in 2021, so this year on Apple Plus, but I don't know if the pandemic threw, like maybe they weren't done shooting it, maybe they were still a long ways off, maybe the pandemic threw their schedule off. I don't even know if it's still coming out. If any of you guys know if it still has an official release date or not, let me know. But um, I am, I'm not saying I'm super, super excited for it, but but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and no, I cannot, uh, I cannot conjure a new trailer into existence, but I am very, very much looking forward to it. All right. Suthius writes on a recent episode of the show, Zillow titled, oh, you guys remember this Zillow titled Zillow to the ninth power, uh, nth power. The character by the name Zillow was furious about watching his favorite shows through the CW app. All jokes aside, I don't think I've touched the CW app since the end of era. Okay. So where this is coming from is on yesterday's show. Somebody was asking about ads that really annoy you. And the thing that I brought up was there's not like an individual ad that bothers me, but it's that when you watch the CW app and I, the CW app is great. Don't get me wrong. You know, you want to get caught up on your CW shows. That's where you go. You want to get caught up on flash or supernatural or black lightning or, you know, whatever go to the CW app. 
But the problem is when they do their commercial breaks, because it's a free app, when they do the commercial breaks, so many times they will pay, play like the same tr- commercial back to back and sometimes back to back to back. Like literally, I've been on that app before and it says a trailer, like commercial break, three commercials. Okay. And they play the Zillow commercial and then the Zillow commercial ends, but then the exact same Zillow commercial starts playing. It's like, I just watched this. Is this a glitch in the matrix or something? And then it ends. And then for a thrice time, thrice say I, a thrice time, they play the same damn commercial again. And then it'll play like four more times during the course of the episode. And that really does drive me crazy. So that's what, that's what they're referring to. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me of that, Suthius. All right, next up, Thanos Breaks TVA writes, in Endgame, Thanos, we've talked about this. This has come up a couple of times. This is exa- I already know exactly where you're going. This has been brought up a few times. Uh, in Endgame, uh, Thanos from 2014 travels into the future. After Tony snaps, he is dusted, meaning there is a timeline where Thanos, his army, Gamora, and Nebula are missing from breaking the sacred timeline, are missing from, thus, breaking the sacred timeline. I'm guessing the TVA didn't want the extra paperwork. Okay, so there's there are two possible explanations to that, because this has been brought up a couple of times now. One explanation is, welcome to the world of movies or whatever, trying to use time travel in their stories. There's always going to be loopholes, or logic holes, I should say. There are always going to be logic gaps and plot holes every time without exception. There always will be. And that might just be one of the logic gaps or plot holes. Now, the other one you could say, even though it is beyond our understanding, even though it is beyond our understanding that Thanos jumping from 2014 up five years and that missing gap that was all supposed to happen. But then if that was supposed to happen, how did this part not happen in that five-year gap and blah, blah? I, I, I know, I know. I'm right there with you. I am. But maybe their, their rationale is it's just beyond our regular human three-dimensional thinking understanding. And what Thanos did was actually already a part of the sacred timeline. There it is, the beginning of time, the end of time, all here as we stand outside of it looking at it. There it is. And Thanos doing that was supposed to happen. How does that make sense? I don't know. That's what I, I kind of lean towards. Look, it's just a logic gap. Look, the writers of Endgame themselves said, yeah, we have a lot of logic gaps. We have plot holes. <laughs> and we absolutely do. But it is what it is. And uh, so, yeah, there you go. All right. Next up. Still loving the show, though. Not nonetheless, loving the show. All right. Kung Fu Hot Dog writes. Hi, John and Robin. Rob's not here today, obviously. Visited Cineworld in the UK to watch A Quiet Place 2, and I liked it. I love Quiet Place 2. But if there was an option to watch it at home, I would have taken that. Well, it would have been a less good experience, but hey, (laughs) you do you, man. You do you. Anyway, um, to watch at home, I would have taken that. With cinemas increasing their membership tiers versus a lack of new releases, where's the value right now? Okay, so what you're actually talking about, Kung Fu, is... The, the notion of the monthly memberships, like you're not talking about just going to the movies, buying a ticket and going in, you're talking about your, your monthly membership. So Cineworld has a monthly membership. AMC has AMC a list. Regal has Regal unlimited. You're talking about that. So the question you're asking, if I'm understanding you right, 
is with us not being back to full speed yet of theater of movies hitting the theaters like we're it's coming it's coming it's happening right now it's already happening but we're not obviously back up to full speed is it worth paying that monthly membership when you don't have the full movie slate yet already back up and running that is a question only you can answer now i know for myself I pay 27, I can't remember the exact number. I pay like 20 something dollars a month for my AMC A-list. Going to one movie almost makes me break even. Not quite. Going to two movies totally makes me more than break even and it makes it financially better. And I am going to more than two movies a month right now. Like not counting press stuff or whatever. Ann and I are going to more than two movies a month right now. And therefore, for us, it's def- it's worth it. But if you're somebody that is like, look, not all the full slate of movies are back yet. I'm only seeing one movie a month that really attracts me to come back to the theaters right now. For you, the monthly membership may not be, uh, it may not be a value proposition for you right now. It might not be a good value proposition for you right now. Now, I don't know if Cineworld in the UK allows you to pause your membership or anything. You might want to look into that until the full slate of movies starts coming back through. For me, it is worth it. For you, it might not be, but only you can gauge that. I would check with Cineworld to see if you can put it on pause. See if you can. If you can't, then maybe you want to cancel the membership until another month or two down the line when you got a, a bigger selection of movies coming back to theaters. Maybe then it'll be better for you. But uh, it's a good question, man. It's a really good question. All right, next up. Casey McNatt writes, one of three. Hey, John, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Casey. I appreciate that. Hope your day is going well. It is going well. I just want your thoughts on the way they make books slash book series into movies. Sure, we have had successful franchises like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and maybe The Hobbit. We've also had mediocre series like uh, The Hunger Games. Well, that depends who you ask. A lot of people love The Hunger Games movies. Anyway, and even though not a lot of people liked it, Twilight. Well, no, you're wrong about that. A lot of people like Twilight. Not me. Not a lot of people maybe in our circles, but you're lying to yourself if you don't recognize and realize a lot of people love those Twilight movies. They There's a reason they made as much money as they did, because a lot of people like them. Anyway, um, not a lot of people liked it, but Twilight was a success for some people. However, uh, going forward, do you feel that if a book series would work better? Let me try this again. However, going forward, do you feel that if book series would work better? would work better as TV shows because that seems to be becoming the norm now uh, with Shadow and Bone, Game of Thrones, and the upcoming series of Percy Jackson and the Wheel of Time, plus some others. Do you think it's better to have these book series or movies or give them more of a chance to tell their, you mean over movies, uh, to give them more of a chance to tell their story in a TV-type series? No, I think movies are usually the better way to go. Like, look, you can either tell a good story or you can't. And if you're not good at telling a story, it doesn't matter if you give yourself 15 episodes to do it. You're just not a good storyteller. I look, Ben Barnes is amazing in shadow and bone. And I, I like shadow and bone. Even Ben was fantastic in it, but it was also left wanting. 
And the fact that it was done over how many episodes was Shadow and Bone? Eight, ten? It didn't help. I really feel like a more, less, like more thriller, less filler, more compact, better paced, two hour and 20 minute movie of Shadow and Bone, I think would have been better. I think, I think it would have been better. Now, that being said, everybody wants formula, right? Everybody wants formula. Everybody wants, you know, um, how, how many race cars should be in a movie? Three. And if you put three race cars in a movie, that means the movie's great. But the reality is there is no real formula that will make your movie great or will make your movie bad. And there's no one formula about what's the best way to do a book to the screen. Movies or TV? The answer is neither. It depends on the books. It depends on what story are you trying to convey. When I watched Shadow and Bone, that easily would have been much better as a movie. That would have worked and flowed much better as a movie instead of a series. Put Ben Barnes in there, you've got a winner. But then there are some like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, I I don't know how you would have done Game of Thrones as a movie even as a series of movies. Game of Thrones was clearly better tailored to a series. But there's no one answer. That's that's the thing. There's no one answer. Like Lord of the Rings, obviously, they're some of the greatest films of all time. But maybe that could have worked as a TV series too. Now, obviously, we've got the Amazon series coming. Yes, but that's different. It's, it's not the three main stories. It's not... Um, uh, it's not uh, uh, Two Towers, it's not Return of the King, it's not Fellowship of the Ring. Sorry, I told that already. It's not Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, or uh, Return of the King. It's a di- They're different stories, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could work to shows too. There's no single answer. Everybody wants formula. The best way to do it as a book is to make the movie. Well, in many cases, yes. But in some cases, the better approach, depending on the nature of the story, would be a TV show. So it, it's not about which formula you apply. It's about you got to take each individual story and evaluate what's the best way to tell this story. Drawn out and elongated over eight to ten episodes, that might be the best way to tell that story. Or better flow, tighter, more compact, two, two and a half hour in a movie format. That, in many cases, like I believe Shadow and Bone, is the better way to go. So it it, it all depends. There's no one answer. We'll just have to see where they go. But with streaming services now increasing in their profile, they're looking for content. And that means series. So I think you're going to see a lot more books get turned into series for streaming shows. Um, But again, you'll see a lot of them turn into movies too. So again, it all depends on the individual story. There's no formula that makes it right or wrong. That's my take on it at any rate. Thanks for sharing that, man. All right, next up, Detroit Dog Rights. How's this for a title? Maybe it's been mentioned before, but Fast 10 Furious. Uh, Fast and the Furious uh, for the Fast and Furious movie seems too good to pass up. Uh, I've heard better. I'm not going to lie to you, Detroit Dog. I've heard better. Fast 9 is coming out. I really hate Fast 9. I think it's a horrible movie. And I, I say that as a big Fast and Furious fan. I, I do not like 9. I really like 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And I, I don't like 9. I, I think 9 is terrible. But uh, there will do 10 because 9 is going to make money. 
and they will do 10. I don't know if I like Fast 10 Furious. I don't know. It'll. You know what it's probably going to be? I'll tell you exactly what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. If I can, uh, give me a second to find it here. This is what it's going to be. It is going to be this. I, I'm revealing it to you right now. This is going to be, I will tell you right now, remember this day. Remember this day that I am telling you what the title of Fast 10 is going to be, okay? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm telling you this is what it's going to be. It's going to be this. That's going to be the title of Fast 10. That's it. I, nobody at the studio has told me that. I'm totally speculating, but I'm telling you right now, that's going to be the name of it. I totally think that's going to be the name of it. For those of you listening to the podcast version of this, you're probably wondering, what? What is it, John? What? What is it? I'm telling you it's going to be Fast X. They're going to, it's going to be fast, the word fast with the letter X. That's what it's going to be. I'm not saying that's the best title for it. I'm not saying that's what I would title it, but I am telling you that's what I think they're going to title Fast 10. That, that's kind of uh, just what I think they're going to do. All right, uh, let's move on here. Uh, next up. We've got, thanks for that Detroit dog. Next up, we've got uh, DJ Tater Skins who writes, part one, John and Rob, Rob is obviously not here today. The excitement of a Loki show actually on TV is still high for me. Episode two took it up a notch, filled gap, but posed a new question. Is Loki helping Miss Loki or perhaps uh, just on the chase? Uh, part two, seeing him get all emotional with the life playback and his mother, father, and Thor, plus the destruction of Asgard. I think personally, he's turning the page, and maybe it's Loki's destiny all along to do so, uh, even though this variant heavy. Here's the thing, DJ Taterskins. I don't believe that's Lady Loki. I, I don't believe that that is Lady Loki. Um, and... We did. We covered this and talked about this on the open spoiler discussion yesterday. Um, oh, by the way, Corey Bradley just put in an even better title in the live chat. Okay, let me let me bring this up for a second. Instead of Fast X, Corey Bradley in the live chat put this. That's probably it. I think that's probably it. Even more. FFX. That's probably what they're going to do. Right. It's either going to be Fast X or FFX. Is probably what they're going to do. Again, not that it's a great title, not that it's what I would title it, but it's totally, that looks like a title that they would have. Anyway, getting back over to uh, the topic at hand, I don't think that character we saw is actually Lady Lodi, uh, Lady Lodi, uh, Lady Loki. I don't think it is. Now, somebody on the open spoiler discussion yesterday pointed out that in some international markets, in the credits, the woman who plays that character was credited as Sylvie. And in the comics, Sylvie is the other name for Enchantress. So, I mean, whether that's true or not, I mean, that was what was in the credits in international markets. In North America, when you watched it here, the credits just listed her as the variant. Didn't call her Lady Loki, just said the variant. But in some international markets, the credit actually read, um, actually read Sylvie. So, which even further goes to 
what that I never believed. I never thought for, again, I have no insider information. Maybe it is lady Loki. Maybe it is. I, I've, I have not seen episode three, four five or six yet. So maybe it is lady Loki, but from the moment she came out, I'm like, that's not actually a lady. That's not a female version of Loki. That it, that's somebody else. And now the big thing is that maybe it's actually, uh, uh, it's actually enchantress and that I wouldn't doubt at all. That I wouldn't doubt at all. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Thanks for that, DJ Taterskins. Next up, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, guys. Uh, Rick Squire writes, John, do you see a next era of Vegas coming soon? I'm going to Vegas today. Uh, The mega resort era started in 89 with the Mirage. I've read the strip is trending away from themes like Excalibur. Oh, it's been trending away from themes for a very, very long time. Circus Circus, Excalibur. Uh, they've been moving away from those. Like it's really gone the resort route, whether it's Caesars or Bellagio or Vidra or all these other new places opening up there. They're very, very much more resort based than like theme based, uh, is trending away from themes like Excalibur and less gambling centric, more of the resort experience, but gambling won't go away. Oh, gambling is still the lifeblood of Vegas. Gambling is still absolutely the lifeblood of Vegas. That's where all their finances come. But about 10 years ago, like Vegas started to evolve because it used to be before that Vegas was just Sin City, man. You wanted to get away for a weekend of debauchery, go to Vegas. Hence the big phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? So... Uh, for debauchery and all that kind of stuff. About a decade ago, Vegas started to change its image a little bit, where it's like, while the debauchery part of Vegas is still very much there, believe me, I know, uh, the debauchery part of Vegas is still totally there. But they also, um, they also started to advertise themselves as, it's not just Sin City. This is a great place for you to come with your family. The great places to eat, the resorts are beautiful, pools, even activities for your kids. And so there really are two Vegases. There's the Party Sin City Vegas, and then there's the legit family vacation spot for Vegas. And I think over the next few years, you're going to see that, um, you're going to see that continue to play out. And I think they will both always be there. Vegas will always be Sin City. It will always be Sin City. But it's also evolved to also be a place where you can bring a family and go have a great time when you're there. So, yeah, I think that's really kind of the big, uh, um, I think that's kind of the big trend in Vegas. All right. Um, you know what? With that, we got to wrap it up for today, guys. We've gone quite a, quite a bit. But listen, there are still more questions to come, like uh, from Ben Rayner, Brian, uh, Rick Squire, Mischievous Gremlin, and more. We still have some more to get through, but we will pick up on that. Like I said, I will do a, a video from Vegas. I'll do one from Vegas. Uh, probably not a two-hour one, but I will do a video that we will put up tomorrow. It just won't be a regular John Campus show because, yes, Tonight, me, Ann, and Kaori get on the road, and we head to Las Vegas. I haven't been there in over a year. I am 
chomping at the bit to quote Agent Mobius. I am chomping at the bit to get out to Vegas. I'm going to play a little poker when I get out there. I'm going to eat some great food. Maybe I'll hang out with Ann at the pool. Whatever. We're going to go and have a good time. And I hope you guys have a fabulous weekend as well. Again, not a regular John Campus show tomorrow, but I will pop up a video where I cover some more of these questions. So check it out. It'll probably be from Vegas. I'm, you know what I might do? This may not sound like a lot of fun, but what I might do is I might actually be while I'm driving. I'll have, maybe I'll have Anne cause it's like a three hour drive to Vegas from where we are now. I might have Anne actually read me questions and I'll answer the questions as I'm driving. Maybe that'll be too dangerous. I mean, I won't be reading. I'll, I'll just be driving. I'll focus on the road. I'll just, I don't know. Or maybe I'll just do it from the resort when we get there. Either way. I'm going to go stay at Caesar's Palace. Is it the real Caesar's Palace? Yes, I'm going to go stay at Caesar's Palace. And uh, we'll do a video that'll pop up tomorrow. Maybe it'll be a short one, maybe a long one. I don't know. But anyway, guys, I hope you've had a fabulous week. Thank you for being here with us here today. Thank you to everybody who sent in the the comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campus Show. Thank you guys very, very much for that support. Okay, guys, that'll do it for me for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name is John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.